Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Now you have the new conditions of learning from experience. You can take those conditions and go forward. But if you spend your energy and time and resources beating yourself up about your mistake, you're probably not in the mode of learning from your mistake. Therefore, you're destined to repeat the mistake. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. What's the most that you are capable of? And how do you know? The truth of the matter is, whether you think you're capable of quite a lot or nothing at all, you're probably wrong. People are terrible at self-assessment, especially when it comes to assessing their own skill and ability. And this is one of the reasons why people need management at various points in their life. So today I'm going to introduce you to the competence paradox, something that every manager needs to be aware of if they want to get the most out of their team and help their team grow. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. What about hunger? Mm, Hunger. That's what I most wanted to talk about, so thank you. Hunger. I think probably the biggest question... One of the biggest questions, certainly, for me in my life is, can you teach someone to be hungry, to be awake, to be excellent, to be to evolve, to learn, to grow personally? Can you teach someone to be hungry? I once asked a colleague this, and she said, I don't think you can actually teach someone to be hungry. You can just sort of scratch at it. That was, I never forget that was the term she used. You can just sort of scratch at it and see if you can remove the layers on top. And there's a few different ways to interpret that, but I'll tell you the way I like to interpret that. Curiosity is related to hunger. And in that way, it's the way it looks to me, it's a natural state of a human being in the same way we're sort of. uh, biologically hungry for food, I think that the hunger for learning, for growth, for our own awareness to evolve, to to become more the kind of person we want to become, however you want to frame it, there's this internal sense that we have that there's something more. And this is the basis of all philosophy, religion, spirituality, art, music, business even. I mean, if you really look at any anything that has a pursuit in it, anything that has a feature of continuous improvement, athletics, academia, anywhere you look, 
in any industry, any group, you'll find someone who's not satisfied with where they are. They want to get somewhere else. And this leads to a sort of sidebar, something I'm tentatively calling the competence paradox. Because what kind of spiritual teacher are you if you don't throw around paradoxes every once in a while? Every philosopher ought to coin their own paradox, ideally several, I think, right? So I'm very proud of the responsibility paradox. I'm not sure if competence paradox is the best name for this, but that's how it is for me right now. For, for many years, I've, I've always been a little, I guess triggered is the honest way to talk about it. I've been triggered when people say, if someone screws up something or betrays someone or something, someone does something bad and someone says with this kind of spiritualized voice, well, we're all just doing the best that we can. And for a long time, it really bugged me. And I've learned over the years that when something bugs me like that repeatedly, it means life is trying to teach me something. And it sometimes takes over a decade for me to get what that is over repeated triggerings and musings and journalings and writings and bitchings about it. And then because I would say, I would argue with the people who would say they're doing the best that they can. You know, like say someone is chronically late. Well, they're doing the best that they can because compassion and forgiveness are, you know, high value in our society these days, especially with all of the thousands of year old Hindu and Buddhist teachings being renewed and imagined to be, you know, do you know how in the West we're really into Eastern thought? Do you know in the East they really are into Western thought in the same way? Mostly because it's different than how they grew up, right? So that's why there are um, many, many uh, Asians who are really into Christianity. It's a big deal in China. There's a lot of secret churches, but I digress. So people are doing the best that they can. So someone who's chronically late, I would love to have the funds to, to do this experiment, but I mean, I think it's so obvious. Someone who's chronically late, you say, I'll give you a billion dollars with a B, cash. If you're not late for an entire month, how do you think they'd do? <laughs> right? And, and the, I think the thing to, to appreciate is it's not that they would leave their life the same and just be on time. You can imagine they would go, okay, hold on a second. I got to look at all of my commitments, all of my obligations, all of my responsibilities and start cutting things out so I can make sure I can be on top of my life enough to be on time. And that's why I'm such a stickler about timeliness, not because it has anything to do with timeliness. It has to do with whether you've set up your life in a way that's actually manageable, whether you're overcommitted, whether you're caretaking people, whether you're distracted, whether you've structurally installed distractions in your life, whether you're holding people accountable who are vampiring your time, all of these kinds of things, because that's the source of being late, not something came up, something that happens, right? But not five times a day, right? That's a system when five times a day that you're late. Something doesn't come up that often. You made that happen. So there's this truth that on one level, at the level of content, people are doing the best that that they can with the incentives, the resources, the awareness, and everything else that they have in that moment. 
However, and this is the competence paradox, in the next moment, that could be completely different. So it took me over 10 years to come to this. Thank you very much. <laughs> because as you as it happens so often, the, the conflict that I had with the idea of what well, people are doing the best that they can was a content and context issue. In content, yes, they're doing the best that they can. Oh, they showed up late, you know, a minute ago. They screwed this thing up a minute ago. At that time, they were doing the best that they could given the conditions. However, in the next moment, we could change the conditions and they could do better. And that's the and. And that's the and that most people don't make. But this cuts both ways because another way of... uh, There's a couple ways of misunderstanding the competence paradox. And one is, well, I'm doing the best that I can in this moment and in the next moment, it's the same. And the next moment after that, and the next moment, that's a misuse, right? That's not true because the conditions can change and you don't know, right? I mean, I think part of being hungry includes a one admission that you don't know what you're capable of. You actually don't know what you're capable of. I'm going to really take that in for a second. You don't know. How could you know? Right? If, if, you know, have any of you ever, uh, uh, done curling, you know, with the thing on the ice with the brooms, right? I, I bet you none of you have, right? You have? Oh my God, Deborah, you're awesome. I right, will imagine curl. Have you ever flown? My husband's Canadian. Sweet. Have you ever flown a plane? Um, he's a pilot. So I got to, get, I go with him quite often, Do but you? I don't fly myself. Okay. I, I ride with him. Right. So imagine something like that that you know of, but you've never done, right? Imagine how good you'd be at it. Just take a moment to imagine how good you'd be at that. And now realize you have no clue. Right? Your idea may be some approximation. You might say, well, you know, I played shuffleboard before and I sucked at it. Or, well, I, I'm really good at driving a car, so a plane couldn't be that much harder. It's only one more dimension. I don't know. Right? You can make something up about it, but strictly speaking, you don't know. And here's another really interesting sidebar. All of the education science shows that people are incredibly unreliable evaluators of their best learning style. So if you, they've done this, if, if you teach someone something a few different ways, imagine an experiment with your testing for learning styles, and then you uh, or you teach one group one way, another group another way, whatever auditory, visual, whatever. And then afterwards, you ask them what their best mode of learning is. What you find is the data shows that they what what they'll tell you is that their best way of learning is what's most comfortable for them. It doesn't have much much to do with doesn't have any bearing on what actually is the best way they learn. Now, this is obvious if you think about children, right? Children practically by definition, don't know what's good for them, right? That's why parents are always having to, quote, make them do stuff because they, are, they will not do what's good for them. If you, if you just give them whatever they want to eat all the time, they'll eat chocolate cake and pixie sticks, right, all the time. And then they'll feel like crap and then they won't be able to connect the dots and they'll ask for more chocolate cake and pixie sticks. It's kind of funny, right? 
they don't know what's good for them. And then you become an adult physically anyway, become an adult physically because it's the only way we measure it. And then we assume like, oh, well, you know how to manage your life now, right? You know what's good for you. But actually, it's testable that many adults don't actually know what's good for them. And this is, again, observable. You all know adults who are doing stuff that isn't good for them. Sometimes for decades. Sometimes we're doing something that we know isn't good for us while we do it, right? As you open the fridge and reach for the alcohol or the chocolate cake and the pixie sticks or whatever it is, you're, there's this voice in your mind that's like, this isn't good for me. And you go, ah, I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. I've had a hard day. Right? And then maybe later you go, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. Tomorrow's another day. In that moment, you were doing the best that you could. But if that were all, then how could you improve? Right? There has to be an and there. In Zen, they say, always being, always becoming, which means you are whole and total and complete and perfect as you are in this moment. And in the next moment, you can become something greater. Both are true. When you beat yourself up retrospectively, you violate the competence paradox, right? When you think, oh, yesterday when I drank all that honey wine and ate all that chocolate cake with pixie sticks sprinkled all over it, that was a weak moment. I could have done better. No. Untrue. You could not have done better because in that moment, you were doing the best that you could. And every moment you obsess about how different that should have gone, well, how's that working for you? Because you can't change the past. Now, if you're learning from it and saying, well, okay, so what happened there? Okay, I heard a voice that said, I need chocolate cake and pixie sticks and honey wine and, uh, or else I'm going to go insane. It, sounds, it doesn't sound very appetizing, right? It's kind of a... <laughs> Let's stay with it then. Or else I'm going to go crazy unless I have that triumvirate of indulgence. Well, what could I have done in that moment? Well, I'm a bad person. I was weak. And he's okay, none of that's helpful because I was doing the best that I could. But what can I learn from that experience so that in the future, it can be different? That's becoming. right? Because now you have the new conditions of learning from experience. You can take those conditions and go forward. But if you spend your energy and time and resources beating yourself up about your mistake, you're probably not in the mode of learning from your mistake. Therefore, you're destined to repeat the mistake. So you're doing the best that you can at any given time. And you need to do things badly so that you can learn from mistakes and do them better. But what happens is there's two trouble spots that people tend to get hung up in. One is I'm doing the best that they can, that I can. And then they extend that into the future infinitely. There's no hunger. I don't need to do any better. Well, I'm doing the best that I can. I heard someone tell me that once. We're all doing the best that we can. 
Well, how do you want to improve? Well, why would I need to improve? I'm doing the best that I can. Well, how do you know you're doing the best that I can? Aha, you don't because you are a unreliable evaluator of your own capacity, your own learning style, and your own abilities. Alternatively, we hang ourselves up by dwelling on the mistake. So the the first category is people who are too easy on themselves. But the other category is higher integrity, but just as damaging. And that's when you're too hard on yourself. And you think you can change the past or change the fact that in any moment you're doing the best that you can, right? Because then there's a, there's this kind of aversive, no, I wasn't doing the best that I can. I could have done better. Well, how do you know? Did you intentionally go, okay, there's a task before me. I'm going to only give it 60%. Did you tell yourself that? When have we ever done that, right? Even if you did do that, if you're like, okay, here's this room I need to paint for a friend. I'm not going to do the best job because they're not paying me very much or I don't have a lot of time or whatever. Even, even that, those would be the conditions that you were in. And you would say, I'm going to do a mediocre paint job here because that's what makes the most sense. You could be wrong, right? But then you would have arrived at that premise, at that uh, decision, that choice, based on whatever logic you were using at the time. See, people do this all the time. For example, a racist person, they're doing the best that they can in any given moment, right? They have conditioning and beliefs about what pigment does in someone's skin and what that means about the person. And we can say, well, that's just ridiculous. doesn't have any bearing on, uh, on who someone is. I'm reminded of, uh, I think it was a Gary Larson cartoon, two groups of zebras angrily glaring at each other. And, and the caption says, of course, the black zebras with the white stripes hated the white zebras with the black stripes just as much. <laughs> but a racist is doing the best that they can, right? In any given moment, because they're operating with a set of beliefs that if they let go of them would probably cause a certain amount of turmoil, disorientation, dissociation. In the next moment, could they change those beliefs? Absolutely. But not in that moment. However they express it. That's just what, however they express is a product of that. So this is also really relevant when you're trying to teach people. Because it gets really complicated when you're in, in, responsible for evolving someone. Because you're responsible for meeting that reality where it is. They're doing the best that they can. And if you're evolving someone and you don't honor and respect and give them the feeling that you get in your bones that they're doing the best that they can, they're not going to listen to you. Because it's just true that they're doing the best that they can in that moment. And they need to feel that you get that truth. That's how you earn the right to raise the bar and say, I get that you are doing the best that you can in this moment. And tomorrow, I think you can do better. That's the and. Rather than how you did this sucked, parentheses, and you're a bad person because of it, whether you say that overtly or allow them to interpret it that way, then they're going to contract. 
from that because what you said on one level, on a metaphysical level, is not true. I mean, it may may be that they did a bad job, but that bad job was the best that they could. In other words, it was completely understandable. And they can do better. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.